Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome to the Game on Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Grezegorik and Gage Bridgeford. Welcome back to the Game on Fantasy Podcast. My name is Tyler Grezegorik, as always. As you probably heard, we have a fancy new intro there, so uh, we have that to kind of get to get us hyped and start talking about these Week Nine games. You know, I, f- I feel like every couple of weeks we're getting something flashy and new up in here, Gage. Yeah, we we really do. Uh, the NFL season continues to be unpredictable. You have literally no idea what's happening on a week to week basis, and as soon as you think you understand what's going on, wrong, it gets flipped on its head. Right, so we like to keep you on the edge of your seats here on the Game on Fantasy podcast, uh, trying to keep it as realistic as possible. But we are here to talk about the Week 9 games. We have a lot to get into, as usual, and so we're just going to kind of jump right into it. Uh, I hope that if you're... I hope that you're liking, rating, and subscribing, and that you're getting the notifications for when this podcast is truly coming out. But... um, yeah, let's let's get into this so you're not missing any information. Uh, Broncos-Falcons, this was a fun game to watch. Drew Locke once again went off, one of my starts of the week, of course, uh, taking on the worst passing defense in the entire NFL in the Atlanta second, Falcons. Second worst passing defense in the NFL. So the Seahawks are number one. Actually, it was the Falcons when I checked it. So, okay, well, the Seahawks are on pace to give up 1,000 more yards in a single season than has ever been done before. Right. Which was the group Packers in 2011. Green Bay or the Falcons are also projected to beat that, but only by 170 yards. So, I, I think we can just both agree that they're terrible. They're bad. <laughs> I agree. They, so. they are terrible. <laughs> uh, either way, you're playing your guys against these teams. So, uh, looking at this game, Drew Locke went off, and Jerry Judy, as we talked about on the live stream, had a big day. Uh, seven catches, 125, and a score. 14 targets for Mr. Judy. This is the second game in a row with double-digit targets, so hopefully that number continues. K.J. Hamler coming in second with 10, Tim Patrick with 9, and Noah Fant, who is not going to be... He got injured, I believe, in this game. and uh, Or no, he did not. Did he get injured? He did get injured, but I believe he returned. Albert O. got injured and is obviously yes. done for the year. Yeah, Albert That's O. is out for the rest of the year, which is really sad. Uh, no more okay with Boonham this year. And so... On the running side of things for the Broncos, it was overall disgustingly gross. They didn't, you know, it's not. It wasn't even the fact that they didn't run the ball because they ran it 14 times. Uh, it's the fact they ran the ball 14 times between Gordon and Lindsey for a total of 41 yards. So that's not ideal. It's less than three. As yards a team, a carry. they averaged over a hundred. They averaged over four and a half yards per carry. But are you really going to add in most of Drew Locke's runs or scrambles? They're not designed He had seven runs. carries for 47 yards, and Hamler had one for 15. Yeah, no, I'm not counting that. The rest of the running backs were bad. I agree. Yeah. They averaged less than three yards per carry. 
I was just stating that the team as a whole rushed well. Okay, I guess if you want to take... I, I'm not going to take that statistic and run with it. But anyway, the Falcons uh, the Falcons put up a lot of points, as they usually do. Uh, this time they actually got in the end zone. Normally they're putting up a lot of yards, uh, but this time they put up the touchdowns to go with it. Uh, Matt Ryan, 25-35, 284 yards, three scores, and a pick. Uh, Todd Gurley, once again, finds the end zone. I think it's at nine rushing touchdowns for Todd Gurley this year. Uh, it's getting, it's getting kind of ridiculous. He has like nine rushing touchdowns, and he has yet to go over 80 yards in a, in a game. <laughs> It's so crazy because from an efficiency standpoint, it makes no sense. But you know what? You don't care because if you're playing him, you're still getting points. And he's still putting up about 10 to 15 points a game, which is great for fantasy. Yep. I'll, I'll take that all day long considering he's my RB2 or RB3 in most situations. Exactly. And you're not really worried about Brian Hill or anybody else coming and stealing carries from him. It's Todd Gurley and that's it. So uh, in the receiving department, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. He had a nasty touchdown this week. That was a great uh, it was a great route that he ran. Uh, they, they, did you see the the video of Jerry Judy shaking his corner on the yeah, on the yeah, touchdown? He put the, hand, he put the hand up and then yeah. uh, like and everyone thought, oh, it's a go route, and then he just breaks it off. And I'm like, huh, it's yeah. like we've seen him do that before. Crazy. Uh, well, Julio Jones's was similar. The corner had no idea where Julio was going. So Zacchaeus yeah, I saw had, his he uh, snaps at the out route right, and then yes. the corner went sprawling backwards. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like an out route or like a corner route. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because he ran it flat after it because the, there was just so much space. But Zacchaeus yeah. comes in, four catches, 103 yards. Still a flash in the pan type thing with Zacchaeus. You're not going to put any stock in that. Hayden Hurst, seven catches for 62 yards on eight targets. Uh, I think he's entering discussion as a possible fringe tight end one, given the amount of production that this offense has. Uh, if he wasn't there already, and uh, no Calvin Ridley this week, so the rest. I mean, Zacchaeus probably was the biggest benefactor of that. Yeah, and that also has now – I think that's the final nail in the coffin for Russell Gage this year. Um, obviously, at the beginning of the year, he started strong, and we kept, and when Julio was out, we kept thinking he was going to be something. And then this week, Ridley out, we thought, oh, he'll be something again. That just wasn't the case. He had six targets, but he only caught two for 11 yards. Zacchaeus had the big plays, four for 103 and a touchdown. Um, so I think Julio – if Calvin Ridley's out, you can play him, and you can play Hayden Hurst, but you can't play any of these other pass catchers, even if you're absolutely desperate. You definitely cannot. And I think we know who Atlanta is at this point. Uh, there is just a ton, of, a ton of fantasy goodness all around on both sides of the ball. So you're, you're, you're loving those Atlanta Falcons uh, players and the teams who are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Um, what are you doing with Drew Locke the rest of the season? Because... It, I don't know if we can put a lot of stock into his last two games, although he's been kind of impressive from what I can see. I, I think he has been trying to do a little bit too much when he does struggle, uh, but the talent is there in my opinion. I think that Drew Locke is a gamer. Uh, you know, That's what people used to say about Baker Mayfield, and not that he's not anymore, but I think that, that Drew Locke has a similar quality in the sense of he's just going to do whatever it takes to win. And um, I think I, with... I think with Locke, what I'm going to do is he's a matchup-dependent QB. Like, if he has a good matchup, like, uh, for next week, let's look at Week 10, for example. He's traveling to Vegas, so there won't be a weather factor. Vegas has had a terrible has had a terrible time stopping anybody this year. Um, I'm comfortable starting Drew Locke next week. I think it'll be probably a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 for me, definitely rolling him out in super flex formats next in that matchup. So... I want to see more consistency from him to firmly put him in the QB1 discussion, but with all of the weapons he has. And keep in mind, he's doing all of this without Cortland Sutton, nonetheless. Like, So Cortland Sutton is out, and he's still putting up 
great performances. He added in a rushing touchdown this week, which was great. Uh, seven for 47 on the ground and a touchdown. Throw in over 300 yards, two touchdowns. If he can shake off those those picks and turnovers, then he can maybe hit the ceiling that everyone kind of hopes he can get to, or at least get into a really respectable place for fantasy. Absolutely, and I think that the first eight weeks or so, you know, with him dealing with his injury and uh, this offense just kind of being a rotating door in a way, the the team in general being a rotating door, I think there was a lot of adjustments that had to be made for Drew Locke in this offense, and so I think it's good to see him finally kind of start to put it together. He's still not super efficient. Uh, he's averaging around 50 to 60% in terms of completion. You want to see that number get over 60, but, you know, there, there are quarterbacks who have made it in this league throwing in the mid-50s percentage-wise, so uh, we'll see if he can continue to perform. Uh, the, the offense definitely has the weapons to do so, but let's Let's move on to Bills and Seahawks. Another great game. And I want to quickly touch on my my Russell Wilson dud of the day. I was feeling pretty darn good about that call for a long time in this game. And then all of a sudden, garbage time happens. And Russell Wilson puts up, what what was it, 100 and something yards and two touchdowns in the last... Yeah, he had 390 yards. And it seems like three quarters of that came in the final, like, two minutes of the game. I was about to go on the biggest Twitter victory parade but uh, he saved it with a QB sneak touchdown. He had, he had a touchdown there. And then he had all the garbage time points. So ultimately, it was a great day for Russell Wilson once again. But this Bills, this Bills team did a number on him for a while. They were throwing for a lot of yards. And when they were getting down the red zone, the Bills were putting the clamps on. And uh, I think that's what you have to do with this offense. Yeah. Um, six, what is that? 78 points between the two sides. The two defenses had a surprisingly good day in the sack department against two mobile quarterbacks. Like, you you think Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, you're like, oh, man, the defense has probably got home for like two or three sacks combined. Nah, they had 12. 12 sacks between these two rosters. Josh held the ball a little bit too long at times. Um, Zach Moss got into the end zone. It's just Buffalo's legit. Buffalo's a legit team. Seattle is also a legit team that just it wasn't their week. Um Tyler Lockett couldn't get involved in the offense. Only had four for 40 and seven touch and on seven targets. David Moore had four for 71 and a touchdown. And that touchdown was just might be one of the easiest that Russell Wilson's ever had to throw. Cause all he had to do was lob the ball 50 yards. And then David Moore was just sitting open in the end zone. It was pretty great for him. Uh, DK is DK seven for 108 on nine targets, one touchdown. Uh, he's a locked in wide receiver one. Tyler Lockett is a still a wide receiver two, just because this offense throws the ball so much. Um, but he's he's fallen off a little bit. He's shown a little bit of inconsistency. I can't start any of these tight ends, though. That's can't No, nobody from this game, tight end-wise, is going to be starting on your roster anymore. Uh, I think that if you had to pick one, it's probably Greg Olson. But still, uh, you know, the wide receivers, I think we know, but, you know, that that's who they're going to be is DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. But they broke the trend this week. It was supposed to be a Tyler Lockett week, and it was not a Tyler Lockett week. Uh, still had seven targets, which is good for second on the team, tied for second on the team with Jacob Hollister. But uh, David Moore snaked the touchdown, the 55-yard touchdown. That could have been probably Lockett in most situations. And so DK Metcalf had seven for 108 with a long of 41 and a touchdown on nine targets. Um, the rushing attack. Honestly, I'm not touching the Seattle running backs without Chris Carson because DJ Dallas was the leading rusher, but he scored a touchdown to save his day. And yes, that makes his day look all right. I was but, like, he had an 11 point day in PPR. And if you do like the whole points, he had an 11.9 point day in PPR. Yes, it wasn't efficient. He averaged over four yards per carry. 
But I think you also have to factor in this team was down big early. Like, this wasn't, like, a close game. For no, a, like, it was for not a, at all. And the 34-44 to 44 even makes it a little closer. This is similar to that Green Bay game from week one where it came, oh, Green Bay only won by, like, nine. No, Green Bay stomped Minnesota. In this game, Buffalo dominated Seattle, forced four turnovers on Russell Wilson, who had two picks, and he had two fumbles that he lost as well. So, and when Josh Allen takes care of the ball, Buffalo is going to be a great team. Um, but Seattle, I, I'm, I'm still starting DJ Dallas. With, if, if Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are out, I'm still playing him. I think Chris Carson just, comes back next week anyway. So I think I think he does also, and that like makes this whole conversation moot. But if if he doesn't come back, I'm still okay playing DJ Dallas on the Buffalo side of things. Josh Allen was great, 415 yards. Zach Moss got into the end zone. Devin Singletary had two carries on the day, which was bizarre. He had three catches for 33 yards on three targets. Stephon Diggs got all the yardage, just couldn't get the touchdown. Same thing went for John Brown. Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Tyler Croft all caught those because, of course, they did. Josh Allen got a rushing touchdown. Josh Allen's QB1. Where do you where do you have him in the QB1 discussion? Well, he, I think Kyler Murray's QB1 in my mind. No, no, but... no, not QB1 overall. I mean, like, a QB1. So, like, oh, well, yeah. Like is he six, seven, eight? Where do you where do you have him in the discussion? Well, let's quickly run through this. Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Kyler Murray. Okay. Russell Wilson. All right. Lamar Jackson. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. All right. So I think six? I think I probably put him over Lamar Jackson though. So okay. I'm Do you put think. him over Dak? Oh, yeah, Dak Prescott is a good one. Um, probably yes. Okay, so he so he's so he's five for you. I I suppose so. I didn't think he would be that high, but I mean, I'm trying to think of other guys I'd rather have over him right now, and there's just not many. Herbert um, Burrow. No, and no, no Herbert. not yet, not yet, because you haven't seen the consistency from him. Well, and that's what's dropping him in my rankings, Allen, is is the fact that we are still. This is one season, you know. We saw what he did last year, and so I want to see him do a full season of it, and then come back and do it again next year. But um, here's the thing: he was a QB one last year. Yes, he was a QB one last year, but we still know what. It was mostly because of the rushing work, though. The passing work was very questionable. That's it, fair. It, I mean, it helps now that he has a legit wide receiver one in Stephon Diggs. Right, and that made that has made a lot of difference. And then pairing him with John Brown, they have two really big, uh, big play threats that they can put on the outside and just let Josh Allen sling it, and it has been beautiful. Uh, so speaking of John Brown, eight for ninety nine on eleven targets. This is the first week he's been really healthy, and this it, it, was, it showed. Good things happen. He it's almost like he was in that decoy role that we saw Tyler Lockett have last year for Seattle, right down the end of the season where he just wasn't getting a lot of looks and it's because he wasn't hundred percent healthy. John Brown wasn't hundred percent healthy, wasn't getting a ton of work this time, got a ton of work because he was hundred percent healthy, did a lot with it. I think John Brown is a probably a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two type on a week to week basis. Uh, and he's got a lot of upside. If he can just get it get into the end zone, this week looks absolute like absolutely fantastic. And I it's agree, still a great but I do think we need to temper just a little bit because it is Seattle, and Seattle's not good. Half I agree. I good. agree, and that's I just I think that the Buffalo offense is really good, and their schedule isn't too difficult down the back stretch. I think that they played a lot of their best opponents to this point, so I think that okay. their schedule is going to get easier. That's just my opinion, though. Anything what do you else? Singletary. Oh, yeah. Singletary. 
I'm scared. I'm. I don't know. I. I don't know what to do because this game was so weird. It's it got so out of weird, hand early. but yes, it got out of hand early, and it's almost like Buffalo was thinking, "Huh, we could run the ball and try and kill the clock, or we can just kill the clock in in the passing game." And that's what they did. They said, "We don't need to run the ball. We can pass the ball and be just as a, and be and kill the clock just as well, and we get more yards in the process." So. I think it's weird, but it is something to that is pretty unnerving. Um, I don't know what the snap counts are. I don't know if it's if it was dramatically in Zach Moss's favor. Let's see, Singletary played forty six percent of the snaps. Zach Moss played fifty six percent of the snaps. So that is definitely something to monitor. That's likely um, a game script thing too. Like you said, they're going to be running the ball more because they're up more. You know, that's probably why Zach Moss led in snaps this week. And he but. wasn't even that effective with this. He had nine carries for 18 yards. It's not like he did a ton. Right, right. He saved his day because of the touchdown. Thankfully, I played him in SFBX because I needed a running back. I was like, oh, Zach Moss could get a goal line touchdown. Sure enough, he did. <laughs> that's um, exactly what happened. That is all he did. Uh, but let's move on to a much less fun game: Chicago Bears, Tennessee Titans. Uh, this game was, you know, actually for Nick Foles, <laughs> he had a good day. <laughs> it was that all line garbage game? time. Are you serious? Well, 335 yards, two touchdowns for Nick Foles. Like what? But he had a 39.3 QBR according to ESPN. Uh, their, their metrics are a little bit different than most places, but that's still not very good. Uh, so 335 yards, two touchdowns for Nick Foles. That's not going to happen. Uh, very often. Uh, Dave Montgomery, 14 carries for 30 yards, is now in concussion protocol, something to monitor as well. Uh, <laughs> if he doesn't play if he doesn't play next week, you're looking at a mixture of Ryan Null, Cordero Patterson, and Lamar Miller in the Chicago backfield. So you're hoping that, that Montgomery can be healthy because otherwise there's no Bears running back you can play next week. Can the argument be made that he, Montgomery's not even playable? He is, you know, it's funny you say that because I own him on my my team that I'm just I'm dominating right now in a dynasty league, uh, and he's one of my RB. He's one of my RBs. I have Joe Mixon, Dave Montgomery, uh, and somebody else, and somebody else. And I've been playing Montgomery all year, and I was like, why am I playing Montgomery? Why do I continue to play Montgomery? And I go and I look at his points. He has ten points every single week, and like gotcha. that's not something you can. That's is that a full PPR league or a half? Half. Wow, the fact that he's getting that much despite half, right? Like, because I let me, like, go, let me I, go read this off. I quick. don't roster him anywhere. I luckily don't. Um, I I was high on Montgomery all off season, but I just he was getting drafted too high, or I was getting better value. Like he was going in that Leonard Fournette range, and when I was doing my drafts, it was when Fournette was still in Jacksonville, and I was like, man, I'm getting great value by drafting Fournette at this spot. And then, of course, he got released or whatever. But while Tyler looks that up, let's go through some of the numbers here. Allen Robinson, 7 for 81 on 9 targets. You're still starting him every week. Uh, Jimmy Graham showed some life. 6 for 55 and a touchdown. That's a huge week out of him. It's a 17, that's a 17-point week in PPR. You love to see that because we've been talking all year that all he needs is a touchdown to have value. And he got a touchdown and some yardage. So great stuff from Graham. But temper expectations. Still a tight end, too. But not, nothing like he didn't fall off the map or anything. Darnell Mooney caught five for 43, had 11 targets, which led the team. So that means that of Nick Foles' 16 incompletions, six of them were Darnell Mooney. I just, you can't predict between him and then Anthony Miller, who had five for 59 on eight targets. So just you, those two, you're kind of flipping a coin every week on which one's going to have the big week. 
neither of them caught the touchdown. Neither of them like broke a truly big play. It's just Miller got a little bit more uh, in the air. Ryan Null, who Tyler mentioned a little bit ago when we were talking about it, if you'd start any of them. He had four catches for 35 yards and a touchdown on four targets. He had no carries, though, so you're still not starting him next week. On the Tennessee side of things, this game was weird from an offensive standpoint. For one, Nick Foles had no interceptions, so it's not like that's where all of their it's not like that's where all of their uh, like turnovers came from because that came from Anthony Miller and David Montgomery, who each had a fumble that they lost on the day. Ryan Daniel, 158 yards, two touchdowns, terrible day out of him. He kept A.J. Brown going, though, who had four for 101 and a touchdown on nine targets. Jonu Smith, two for 32 and a touchdown on two targets. That's not great, but you like seeing him at least get into the end zone. He had one catch for 30 yards yesterday. I know. One of his, two, he had one catch for two and then one for 30, and he got a touchdown, though, so I'll take it all day long. So a quick comment on the wide receiving core for Tennessee versus the Chicago secondary. I'm, I didn't watch this game intently, but I'm pretty sure that Corey Davis drew Kyle Fuller. And it showed this week uh, because I'm pretty sure A.J. Brown plays in the slot uh, for Tennessee. So he, they just kind of move him wherever they need to. But he had still had nine targets, only four catches. Uh, but back to my David Montgomery thing really quickly. He's the RB14 on the year, right? So first, first four weeks were a little rough. He had 7.9, 21.2, 6.4, 9.2. But since then, he's had 15.4, 11.7, 9.4, and 12.5. He had 2.7 this past week, but this was a bad week. Um, snap counts regularly in the 80s that yeah, that no, doesn't happen snap, at all snaps so, was never a problem right he was consistently getting the the snaps because there was no one else but he just he's not getting he's not doing anything with it i had a discussion with someone on twitter yesterday about like how it's not david montgomery's fault or how it's not nick Foles or Matt Nagy or whoever and they were basically they were blaming ryan pace for the issue and i said that ryan pace has not set them up for success with offensive line depth because obviously like Spriggs, just all of the injuries they've had. And I said, yeah, Ryan Pace can be blamed for some of the death, but at the same time, you have to blame Nagy for not putting his guys in a position to succeed. If you have a receiving back like like Montgomery, just generate touches for him. Do the classic, like the, C, like the CMC role. Just, you know what, your offensive line isn't getting it done that day? Fine, let's just pepper him with 10 targets a game and see what he can do with it. If you want to talk about how he's some freak receiver. He had that play against Green Bay last year where he did like a pure wedding 180 reception over a linebacker. That was still a really impressive play, and you just you get him three targets on the day. I understand he left early, but come on now. It's it's the James White effect for me. I think it depends on your lineup, and it depends on the, ty- on the type of lineup you're building. But there's always room for a player that's going to get 10 points a game in my lineup because then I can I know I can depend on them, and I can build the rest of my lineup accordingly for boom or bust. Uh, but let's move on here. Uh, did you have any more comments on Tennessee? I mean, I don't Derrick Henry only had 21 for 68, which was disappointing. But, I mean, you had to temper expectations here. Also, you said that Corey Davis, you believe, Drew. Um, Kyle Fuller, per pro football focus, that was their expectation, was that he would play, uh, was that they would shadow, or he would guard him. I don't think it was shadow coverage, but I think he was the primary defender. So you were right there, and that, okay. did, that did hurt him a lot. All right, well, that's something to note moving forward for Corey Davis because yep. that's going to be big if he can't produce against a guy like Kyle Fuller uh, at all. Like, he had zero. He went big old. Well, Kyle, Kyle Fuller's really good. Right. Kyle Fuller's really that's good fine. at this whole But this Corey Davis breakout season maybe comes to a screeching halt for a second. All right. 
But any other questions or things you want to talk no, about with Tennessee? I got, I got nothing else here. All right, let's move on to Ravens Colts. Now, I want to preface this with the Colts defense actually did a good job in this game uh, to contain this Baltimore offense. But ultimately, the D, the Colts offense could not do enough. And uh, there were a couple of really bad calls in this game. That Marcus Peters interception was atrocious. I don't. That I don't... was bad. The Jack Doyle hit that I believe knocked him out of the game. That was a terrible no call. Like you I, saw that one, right? Yeah, there's there was a number of bad calls in this game. Uh, this had bad refereeing all over it, and the fingerprints of of just disgusting, disgusting play calling uh, or play calling penalties. Um, so it was bad all around. Uh, the Baltimore side, they didn't do anything spectacular. Lamar Jackson had saved his day again with a rushing touchdown. Uh, it was a nine-yard run, I think, the, the long yeah, he but had he, for the day. Yeah, but the th- big thing about his rushing, he'd had 13 for 58 and a touchdown. He was efficient on the ground today. One efficient, thing, like, but yeah. He averaged over four yards per carry, which isn't great, but for a guy that runs the ball as much as Lamar, like when you think of Kyler Murray, you think of him averaging over 10 yards per carry because of his scrambling. Lamar, with design runs, you want him averaging like five – to six yards per carry. This is a little under that. But in the past couple of weeks, like against Pittsburgh, he was getting shellacked. He was getting hit a lot. And I thought that the Colts had the linebackers to really run with him in Darius Leonard, who had 15 tackles. Bobby Okariki had nine. Uh, I think that they had the linebackers to hang with them. Obviously, the fumble return for a touchdown where Phillip Rivers had the second most infamous trip yourself of the year. Um, did you see his his flopped turtle like lunge thing that he did on the ground? I don't know what I'd call it, but that was a pretty accurate description. It literally looked like a turtle got knocked down and then just tried to hop off the ground and just couldn't quite do it. <laughs> That's so, so embarrassing. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, the Colts offense did the Colts defense no favors in this game. The defense actually played pretty well. Uh, the running back situation in Baltimore, uh, it's Lamar Jackson. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Uh, they're splitting the carries now. So there's no rhyme or reason to it, honestly. And the J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards had the same amount of receiving work as well. So there's no rhyme or reason. They're splitting the carries. Uh, that's it. It's 50-50. Mark Ingram is the odd man out. I don't think he – did he play in this game? Uh, no, Mark Ingram is still out, still dealing with an injury. Um, one quick thing on uh, – one quick note on J.K. Dobbins. If you play in Dynasty, which obviously both Tyler and I do, go put a feeler out to the J.K. Dobbins owner. If you're not – like if you don't roster him now, just go put a feeler out, see where they're at because they're going to be a little frustrated. I actually acquired J.K. a couple weeks ago, got him for what I thought was great value. I got him and Mark Ingram, and CMC was a big trade package for me. I have him for next year, and I really like that. Get, get it for next year because Mark Ingram's gone after this offseason. Gus Edwards is not going to continue to hold this much of a workload. The offensive line will be better next year. There's just a lot of reasons to go get him. If the price is still too high, that's okay. Don't don't go after it aggressively. But if you can just go and see, hey, are you interested in moving him? I think he's definitely worth the pick. All right, moving on to the receiving core for the Ravens. Uh, Gross. Disgusting. Uh, not even Mark Andrews was viable this week uh five targets it went five five four four two two and one uh they're spreading the ball out lamar Lamar was efficient but there just wasn't a lot of yardage there's no touchdowns here uh marquise brown is going to be marquise brown he's going to get his three or four receptions a game and you're hoping one of those is a big play that's it so it didn't happen this week the squeaky wheel did not get the grease this week 
Right. This Colts defense is good, uh, and like I said, the offense is bad. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a touchdown this game but got benched because he fumbled. Uh, I think he's still dealing with an injury. I don't think he's in good graces with the coaching staff right now, so something to monitor. But uh, Jordan yeah, Wilkins. Frank Reich today said, I have a level of confidence in Jonathan Taylor. Not, I have confidence. I have a level of confidence. It's yeah. like, hey, you know what doesn't give confidence to your young running back? Saying you don't have full confidence in your running back. Right. I, I don't agree necessarily with benching a young guy after one fumble. But if there's been repeat, repetitive mistakes in practice and other things like that, things we can't see on the football field on Sundays, then sure. But Especially overall, on the play that it happened. Like, he was swarmed by, like, four dudes. And you're playing against one of the best defenses in football, and they got the ball out. Like, yeah, that's not. I'm not making an excuse. You need to hold on to the ball. But he, he lost one, and it was a tough spot. And if that ball rolls two yards to the right, it's out of bounds, and no one thinks anything of it. Jordan right. Wilkins, 11 for 39, didn't do anything. You're not writing home about it. Naeem Hines, 2 for 18, two, and two catches for 20 yards. Nothing there. Let's move on to the receivers, though, because they're more fun. Yeah, Michael Pittman and Marcus Johnson love the team and targets, uh, but Marcus Johnson did nothing with his targets, and Michael Pittman had 4 for 56. So that's good to see. Uh, no T.Y. Hilton this week. Zach Paschal, 5 for 55. Uh, that's it, really. Uh, there's nothing else significant here. The, Trey the, Burton only having one for six after some oh, what a surprise. production was something to notice. <laughs> Shut up. He had been playing well. It was a down week. Don't right. take anything out of it. I think He's all three still... tight ends are equally useful and useless at the same time. Uh, none of them are really viable. It's going to be a matter of who finds the end zone that week, and there's no way for us to really predict that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, though, because there are better games to talk about. Like... Indeed. Teddy Bridgewater and his Carolina Panthers taking it to the Kansas City Chiefs and losing a very close game. Uh, I was so, so much rooting for Joey Sly to make that final kick. but uh, That was bad, though. Yeah. That wasn't even I, close. I think what I was talking to my, my wife as we were watching this game. I was talking to her about it. I think I think he got a little excited and he pushed it a little bit. But a little? He, <laughs> he didn't even hit the net, Tyler. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm trying to give the like, guy there's, there's the There's pushing doubt. it a little bit. Then there's what Joey Sly did. I love Joey Sly. I think he's got one, he's got a cool name. Two, he's been a great kicker over the last couple of years. Even pushed Graham Gano, who had been one of the NFL's best kickers for so long, pushed him out of a job last year. But that was just bad. Wasn't even close. Uh, he did got... have the one a couple weeks ago where he had six, a 65-yarder fall like just short. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I don't know. I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but uh, Teddy Bridgewater. we got to talk about Teddy Bridgewater because this was a matchup where he was not supposed to perform well, and he did. He led this offense. Uh, Teddy checked down, led this offense uh, to 31 points. I mean, they, they played well. The Chiefs the, the Chiefs were able to put up points as well, and the Panthers' defense did, I think, just enough to keep the Panthers in this game. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater was a big reason why. He was very safe with the ball. Shows 36 out of 49 for 310 uh, so that's less than 10 yards per completion. Um, yeah, 6.3 was his completion percentage. Or 6.3 was his average completion, it looks right. like. So, I mean, this is fine. And, and you know, we always said that Teddy Bridgewater was a good match or good mix of what the Panthers wanted to do and the personnel that they have. Uh, and now you bring in Christian McCaffrey, who returns in a big way. 30-point week for and him fantasy-wise. in a big way. And then exits in a big way. I said, that, I said this. We were watching the game, and they were trying to make that final push to get into field goal, uh, field goal position. And I saw him land on the sideline awkwardly, and I was like, oh, no, he just hurt his shoulder. 
And then you, they show him wincing just a play later, and I'm like, oh, no, he's going to be done again. And so um, you're going to be happy you had Christian McCaffrey. But guess who's viable again? Mike Davis and Curtis Samuel, who had 105 rushing yards this, or receiving yards this week and three carries for 13 yards. Uh, they're going to take. They're going to split the Christian, Christian McCaffrey role. Robbie DJ Anderson. Moore is dead. Yeah, what is going on with DJ Moore? Uh, three targets. What's going on with DJ Moore? They're sending him down the field, and they're not doing anything else with it. Because him. Teddy that's, can't get it there, and that's yeah. Um, that's fine. Then scheme up plays for him. I know Robbie Anderson seemed to be a deep threat when that's all he was at the Jets, and now he's but getting thirteen is, targets what is for nine. Done said, "Hey, just run, just run stuff across the middle all day. Yeah. Never go down the field. Just run across the middle, and then use your speed to run away from people." DJ yeah. Moore's got good speed, but. Generate close touches for him. I understand that they're using him to like take the top off the defense. I think that's stupid. You're taking like you want a guy to do that. Go have Curtis Samuel do it, or just don't have anybody do it. You you have two guys that are producing, and you have another one that should be, and you're just not getting in the ball. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why? Get your best player the ball. Another player you should go out and get is DJ Moore because he's probably at a very very discounted price right now. And I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the future quarterback of the Carolina Panthers as, as well as he is playing right now. So let's move on to the Kansas City side. Nothing too surprising uh, in terms of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. They had good days as expected. The running backs, 12 carry, or the entire team, actually, this includes Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, 12 carries for 30 yards. Awful. Absolutely mm-hmm. awful. And... Uh, Edwards Hilaire had five carries. Le'Veon Bell had four. They combined for a total of 22 yards. That's terrible. Do you see that uh, since he's joined the Chiefs, um, Bell has averaged like 1.7 fantasy points per game? Or it's like, to well, that, or it's like 1.4 yards per carry or something? It's, it's just yes, terrible. It's not good, but Edwards Hilaire has not been much better. And I don't know why. Is Maybe the Chiefs are suffering from injuries along the offensive line. Uh, maybe they're just struggling to get the running game going. But they have not ran the ball well this year, period. And I think that's why they brought in Le'Veon Bell, hoping that they can revitalize that. But maybe the problem isn't Le'Veon Bell. Or, I'm sorry, not, maybe it isn't the, the problem isn't Edwards Hilaire uh, or the running backs that were there. It's it's the offensive line. But the, the Chiefs are still going to put up points. So they still hold value. Edwards Hilaire is probably the only running back you can play at this point. Yeah, because he got the he got some receiving work three for twenty, and he got a touchdown, which really saved his day. And also, the receivers not named Tyree Kill continue to be confusing. They had three for forty eight for Michael Hartman, three for thirty four, and a touchdown for Demarcus Robinson. You can't predict these two guys. Like you're literally throwing darts. Like if someone's like, okay, you got to pick one or the other. I don't know which one. Just throw a dart and pick that one. If you're in desperation, there's always the hope that they bust a big play. Do you know Tyreek Hill has 10 touchdowns on the year so far through nine weeks? Tyler, cool. Talk <laughs> yeah, to sorry. Here. I've been plugging in my laptop because it's dying on me. Uh, yes, I did okay. know that. Yeah, I saw that statistic today, and I thought that that was awesome. Not a ton to talk about here, though. Like, it's pretty chalky on who's going to perform and who's not. Let's move on to a game that had a li- that was a little closer than I think we all thought it was going to be. Houston against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Houston comes out with a win, 27-25. Jacksonville covered the all-important spread of, I believe, it was six and a half. Good teams win, great teams cover. Deshaun Watson goes 19 for 32, 281 yards, two touchdowns. He also added 10 carries for 50 yards on the day. In the running back room, 16 for 41 for Duke Johnson and a touchdown. He also had 
Where's it at? Four catches for 32 yards. David Johnson exited this game early with, uh, I believe, a concussion, if I remember correctly. Is that uh, right? Yes. Okay. So David Johnson had two for 16. He also and he had two for 16 and left early with a concussion. So don't really pay too much attention there. If David Johnson doesn't play, I think Duke Johnson is a reasonable low end, like probably like a flex play, high end flex play somewhere in that conversation, just because he gets receiving work. And if he, there's no one else to compete for touches, that makes his life a lot easier. Will Fuller, 5 for 100 and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, 3 for 83 and a touchdown. And then not a whole lot else in the receiver room. No, no, this game uh, in general, I mean, DJ Chark is clearly still the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, but that was never a question. But he's going to be the only wide receiver you're going to want to play out of this group uh, for now. LaVisca Chenault, uh, just has not been consistent enough. He also left this game early with an injury. Still. That's going to be... It's still worth noting for LaVisca Chanel because that was one of his biggest concerns coming into the draft. Uh, so if, you know, let's see if that injury lingers, but at the same time, he hasn't been consistent enough as a performer anyway. So adding that all together, uh, I don't know if I'm playing any other receiver but DJ Chark. You're playing James Robinson and Jake Luton. Huh? 26 of 38, 304 and a score. Uh, not a bad debut for the for the young quarterback. I'm still not playing him, though. Uh, no, no. I'm just acknowledging that he had a decent game. He had a decent game. I just, like, 20, it was against a bad defense. DJ, he supported DJ Chark, which was huge. I didn't think he was going to be able to do that. I had Chark as, I, like, I faded him all week. I played him in one league because I had literally no other option. But I just, I was, I was stunned to see this happen. And next week, I'm definitely not doing it. Uh, Jacksonville's traveling to Green Bay, and if Luton's still the starter there, um, Gardner Minshew's out. I don't care because Jair is going to. Oh, say, they already hey. ruled. They already ruled Minshew out. So okay, so that just means that Jake Luton is going to have to try to complete passes to DJ Chark against Jair Island. So you don't like that. That's bad news for him. Um, are you, if that happens, are you playing any of these other receivers next week? Uh, no. Probably not. So then you're fa- so you're benching DJ period also, right? I mean, I'm still playing DJ Chark. Even against Jair Island? You don't have, I, I mean, if you have a better option, sure. But I'm still, he's still going to be I mean, I have Curtis Samuel, receiver. man. I got better options. I'm still playing, I'm still playing Chark. But I definitely am looking for other options because I don't want to play him. I just, yeah. He's gotcha. still, he's still a wide receiver. He's still the wide receiver one there. He still gets the volume. He still gets the big plays. I'm still playing Chark. We also didn't touch on James Robinson, who came back to life. 25 for 99 and a touchdown. Had two targets, didn't catch either one of them. He's still a reasonable low-end. Uh, he's probably like a high-end RB2 right now, just because he doesn't add a ton in the receiving game, but he's a pretty safe floor runner. And against Green Bay next week, he's got a good matchup, as long as uh, Green Bay doesn't turn into a blowout early on. Where are we heading next? Are we heading to Washington, or we you want to head to Minnesota? Let's go to Minnesota and talk about this NFC North matchup. Uh this game, so frustrating for Lions fans. The Lions should have won this game as well. Honestly, they really should have. They should have beat the Vikings earlier in the year. They should have won this game as well. Uh, they played just terribly. Matt Stafford was making some really bad throws, some bad penalties in this game. Overall, the Lions, I think, were the better team, and they lost by 14 points. It's such a weird thing to say. But the... The Vikings just did what they did against the Packers. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook. This week, Kirk Cousins got the touchdowns, but that's not going to happen 
regularly. But 34 carries, 14 more carries than passing attempts for the Vikings this week. This is this is the Vikings. This is their formula. Everybody else is zagging and they're zigging. So the the Vikings are going to run the ball more than they're going to pass. And um, it, your guys are hurting because of it. I mean, Justin Jefferson still had a decent day because Justin Jefferson's a good player. Uh, only, only had four targets, though. Three catches, 64 yards. Adam Thielen had two for 38 on five. Uh, Delvin Cook at two for forty six. His screens, when he gets those screen passes, they're just they're they're killer. Um, on the other side of the ball, DeAndre Swift is the clear running back one in Detroit. I think that that I'm ready to make that declaration. Uh, he didn't have a necessarily a big week this week, but he had a solid week. I mean, he still put up uh, in, in a PPR format what ninety seven yards with three receptions. So PPR is twelve point seven points. And that's not bad. He'll take that. He didn't, get, he didn't get in the end zone this week, but that's good. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had 5 for 39 and a score on 8 targets. Danny Amendola, 7 for 77 on 10 targets. Marvin Jones saved his day with a touchdown, 3 for 43. So I I don't know what else to make of this game. It was a weird game. The, the Lions will have better performances overall, but even then, if you take away the interceptions here, the Matt Stafford, in, Matt Stafford injury, um, I think the Lions actually win this game. If they, if Matt Stafford doesn't make those boneheaded plays and he doesn't get hurt, I didn't get to I didn't watch this game um, at all because just there was other more interesting games on at one like Seattle Buffalo uh, Baltimore the Chicago game I know it was gross but it was still had interest I had interest to watch it but I was every time I saw that Stafford threw another pick I'm like how what happened now what how are they just constantly turning the ball over. I think Dalvin he had Cook's, two red zone interceptions. I think both both interceptions were in the red zone, which was just super frustrating. That's that's absolutely brutal because that is the that can literally swing a day. Let's see, his uh, so he had one interception in the he was at the Minnesota twenty and it got picked off at the twelve. He had another one that got picked off at the in the end zone. Yeah, so his two picks came at the twelve yard line and the in in the end zone. It was so frustrating. I was yeah. I was so frustrated for Lions fans, uh, but I don't think there's much else to talk about in that game. The Vikings are going to run the ball and they're going to do it a lot. That's that's what we need to take away from it. Yep. So let's move on to this Giants and football team game. Uh, sounds so weird. Daniel Jones, twenty three of thirty four, two twelve, and a score. Uh, let's see here, receiving wise, um, Austin Mack was your leading receiver. Did you did you anticipate that? Yeah, because he had 50 yards on one car- on one reception. And if, so, of course, I called that. But I definitely called the Evan Engram one during the Sunday live stream where you were like, I don't know. And I'm like, just playing. What happens? Five for 48 and a touchdown. Led the team with 10 targets. Hey, I will say this. that touchdown from Dan- from Daniel Jones, though, was a it was a beautiful throw. That was a good throw to Evan Engram. Um, and if they can get a little bit more of that seam stretching with Evan Engram, then maybe he actually starts to realize the, the value and the potential you thought you'd be getting in him. Do you want a fun Daniel Jones stat? Always. Oh, so wait. In his, is, this, is this the Giants one? Is this the what? The Giants stat where he's for – uh, I'm sorry. The he's football wins. team stat. Football team stat, yeah. Yes, this is exactly that. Daniel Jones, for those of you that don't know, has three career wins. Two of them have come against the Washington – No, no, no. Five career wins. And for all and four of them are against the Washington football team or slash Washington Redskins last year. And then his other one was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his very first start. But go ahead and continue to tell me that Daniel Jones is good at football. You just can't make that stuff up though. Uh, running back wise for the Giants, Wayne Gallman led this led the charge here. Fourteen carries, sixty eight yards. Devontae Freeman still out with an injury. 
Alfred Morris making an appearance, coming back from the dead. Nine carries, 67 yards. Daniel Jones came back down to earth from a rushing standpoint. Six carries for four. Um, and five of those four yards came on one play. <laughs> so that uh, so means he had five carries for negative one yard. <laughs> it's just typical Daniel, Daniel Jones fashion, I think. But uh, Sterling Shepard, six carry or six receptions for 39 yards on eight targets. He'll have better days. This, this was... Um, not his best day, but I mean, he's still got the volume, so you're, you're happy with Sterling Shepard there, but it, it, he'll have better days from a production standpoint. Uh, moving on to the Washington side, Kyle Allen got hurt early in this game. He's probably not coming back this year. So Yeah, no, Alex, he's officially, he's already done for the year. Okay, Alex Smith, 24 of 32, 325, one touchdown. Three interceptions, that sounds like a bad stat line. These interceptions were a little fluky. Uh, one of them was a, a play over the middle where his receiver slipped and it fell right into a defensive tackle's hands. And then another one um, it was towards the end of the game. And then the other one, I can't remember. But I just, I just remember watching him like, wow, I feel so bad for Alex Smith right now. Um, so Antonio Gibson, six carries for 20 yards. He got a touchdown, so you wouldn't know it. So you wouldn't know he had a bad day. But six carries for 20 yards. Uh, Washington. He also had three catches for 35 yards as well. He did. So that's a pretty typical stat line for him, though. I mean, unless he's, getting, unless he's scoring touchdowns, he's not put up a ton of yards. So yep. he's not getting an abnormal amount of volume either. Uh, Washington receiving core, Terry McLaurin, still an absolute stud. That touchdown was fantastically amazing. Uh, Cam Sims, three for 110. Cool. J.D. McKissick, yeah. McKissick is the one I want to talk about here. Nine receptions, 65 yards, 14 targets. He's officially the new James White. This was yeah. the game to say... You can play him every single week in your flex. He's going to get you 10 points, plus if he gets in the end zone. He hasn't scored too many touchdowns, but you're hoping he can break off one of those screens and score a touchdown. He's going to get you 10 points, plus you're playing J.D. McKissick almost every week from here on out. Yeah, um, he is now playing with the original captain checkdown, which is Alex Smith. That's been the joke about Alex Smith for his entire career is that he's captain checkdown. He's captain checkdown, yada, yada, yada. That's what he was in this game. He had 14 targets to his running back. He had six to his tight end. He had eight to Terry McLaurin. He's going to throw to his studs. He's not going to really throw to anybody else. So you can't really trust Cam Sims. You can have some faith in McKissick, McLaurin, and Logan Thomas. And that's that's about it on this offense. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be chalky in that aspect. And I think Antonio Gibson's probably a reasonable start. Just uh, in most weeks, unless he's playing against like Tampa Bay or something like that with an elite like run defense, but. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to this Chargers Raiders game. God, I feel bad. So I feel so bad for the Chargers, though. The, the, every single week, they just have a heartbreaking loss. And then I look did at the stat line. Did you see that line. final incompletion? I did. It was not a catch. Yeah. It wasn't. It was pretty damn close, though. It was. Yeah, but it wasn't. So um, every single week, this team has a heartbreaking loss, and then I go into the the box score, and I see that Justin Herbert had twenty eight of forty two for three hundred and twenty six yards and two scores. Like this kid's playing out of his mind right now. And uh, this team can't buy a win. So uh, the rest of the team, uh, the running back situation is a mess with Justin Jackson now being out. Hopefully Austin Eckler makes a return soon. That will be very welcomed for this team. But Kalen Balaj, 15 carries, 69 yards, one score. And before we say anything about Kalen Balaj, he actually looked okay in this game. He looked explosive. He was he was patient. He was he was hitting the holes hard. He looked good in this game. Uh, the Adam Gase effect remains undefeated. It's so true though. He, under Miami and Adam Gase, under you know in New York and under Adam Gase, like just man, uh, he looks good. He I mean the he's a great athlete. I think he, if I remember correctly, he had an RAS score in the nines when he was drafted, and it showed. Like he, some of the plays he was making were just 
great, and uh, there was no other way to really to really slice it. And then looking at the receiving core, Keenan Allen's still an absolute animal. Mike Williams, 5 for 81. You're hoping he gets in the end zone, but you'll take 5 for 81 every single day of the week, seven targets. Uh, Hunter Henry, four, on, 4 for 33 on 7. That's the that's the life of a tight end right there. Uh, Kalen Balaj had two for fifteen. Josh Kelly had five for thirty one on five targets. Gabe Neighbors scored a touchdown. Uh, I planned that. I played him on DFS. You know, one one care or one reception, four yards for a touchdown. <laughs> just yeah. Also, Mike Williams did almost get into the end zone too. Like he got he the ball thrown to him right before the final play, and that's the one that he got injured on. And let's move over to the Raiders' side of the ball because I think that everything that happened other than the Kalen Balazs stuff was pretty expected for the Chargers. Uh, moving on to the Raiders' side of the ball, Derek Carr had a pretty efficient day but pretty underwhelming. They just – the offense didn't have to do much, honestly. Uh, they just they just kind of rode this game out. It was really weird in a lot of ways. Um, so Derek Carr had 13 of 23, 165 for two. Uh, in the rushing game, Jacobs had 14 for 65 in a score. Booker Devontae Booker had eight for 68 in a score. Uh, that's it, really, to note there. Uh, and then the receiving game. <laughs> Henry Ruggs did not have a score this week. He did not. This is even... so dumb. They had two different receivers go for a forty-five or a forty-five-plus yard catch, and one of them was Hunter freaking Renfro, and the other one was Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Are you telling me that Henry Ruggs didn't get any one of those? Hell, Darren Waller had five for twenty-two in a touchdown. <laughs> this is so dumb. It makes no sense. I don't get it. I, maybe Ruggs is struggling. I don't know, but. I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm frustrated. I thought he could score a touchdown this week. If he's not going to produce in a matchup like this, I'm worried about his production, period. So, uh, Hunter Renfro, two for 60. So, nothing really right home about only three targets. Nelson Aguilar, two for 55 in a score. Three targets, nothing right home about. Darren Waller remains the only receiving player in this offense that you want. All right. Uh, do you have any other qualms with this game? Uh, another dynasty note. Henry Ruggs, go buy him low. Uh, and then... Some of your Ryan Edwards truthers are going to tell you the same thing, but if I'm going and shopping for one of these two receivers, it's Henry Ruggs. It's the guy that's actually getting out on the field. I'm pretty sure Brian Edwards played, what, like one snap yesterday? I don't know. I just I just remember seeing every time I watched the game, I remember seeing him on the sideline. I was like, okay, Yeah, so I was like, he, I, I think he saw like a snap. He didn't even see a target, so I'm, I'm not going after Brian Edwards. I know some people might, but Henry Ruggs is the one I prefer, and since he struggled so much, he'll be even easier to acquire than J.K. Dobbins will. That's fair. All right, let's move on to one of the weirder games of the weekend. Steelers, Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys defense showed up in a way, yeah. somehow, kind of, maybe sort of. So um, the, the Cowboys defense, I saw a stat earlier, they are, since the DAC injury, they are like 20th in like passing yards allowed, and then I think like 23rd in like points allowed or something like that. And I know that that's not great, but that's what they needed when Dak was injured or when Dak was healthy. And I'm wondering if part of that is just teams aren't throwing the ball as much against Dallas because they don't have to, or if it's if there's some correlation there. Because it's not like Dak was just turning the ball over a ton or anything like that. Obviously, the offense was putting up points. So the, the defense just didn't magically flip a switch here. No, and they have they've had favorable, favorable matchups as well. Uh, but the, to see them perform the way they did against the Steelers uh, at home, though, you know they have the little extra boost there. To see them perform the way they did was rather surprising. So James Conner nine of twenty nine for twenty two in this game. Um, so let's see. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm dealing with technical issues again. 
Every single week, never fails. Uh, but we're going to go into the receiving core here. Juju Smith-Schuster, I hope you bought him low because now he's returned value uh, to where he was. Don- Deontay Johnson, 6 for six, six for 77. Uh, and Chase Claypool, 8 for 69. I was talking to a good buddy of mine. Uh, all three of these wide receivers are viable. I think we can stop the debates of, am I playing? I think it's a matter of ranking them week in and week out, but all three of them are playable. And um, I... Because James Washington, no, I don't care. Ray Ray McLeod, don't care. Anthony McFarland, don't care. Vance McDonald, you're on COVID anyway. So Eric Ebron is you're hoping for a touchdown because he doesn't get a ton of volume. But if you're hoping if you're getting a touchdown from Ebron every other week, I think that's good return for a tight end. And so uh, the other three receivers, though, Juju, Deontay, and Chase Claypool, all three are playable. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I know that we got the the Claypool question uh, from my friend uh, Paul during the uh, live stream. On Sunday, and I had kind of said that I didn't really want to play Chase Claypool because I th- thought Deontay was going to be the the two to Juju's one. And come to find out, Juju actually had the slowest th- amount of targets out of the three of them. He only had seven compared to ten for Johnson, thirteen for Claypool. But I think I'm I'm kind of on the train with you there in terms of playing all three of them. But I'm not like jumping on and running with you. I'll but I'll at least go to the station with you, and then I'll debate getting on. That's fair. That's fair. It might be a matchup conversation every single week, but then yeah, at that point, playing against Dallas is much different than playing against like Baltimore. But I mean, they only put up twenty-four points, and these three had enormous production and enormous target value. But let's talk about the Cowboys because actually, there's not a lot to talk about. Garrett Gilbert um, was Garrett Gilbert. That's I think it's can I just, can I just say that? Go <laughs> Garrett Gilbert, twenty-one thirty-eight for two forty-three, a touchdown, a pick. Also had three carries for twenty-eight yards. Zeke is left for dead. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. He had a terrible matchup. That's why he played so poorly. Fun fact, Tony Pollard has more 20-plus yard runs in the last two years than Zeke does, and he's done it on a third of the volume. Oh, stop it. Just, I'm not... I'm I not subscribe to that logic. Uh, I just want you to know that that is there. That is a fact. All right, let's talk about these receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper, I think, returned to form... Five receptions for 67 yards, six targets. CeeDee Lamb, four for 71 in a score. Uh, Dalton Schultz, four for 48. And Michael Gallup, three for 36. Unfortunately, Michael Gallup has no value without Dak Prescott. So uh, we, were, we, we already knew that, but... And if you guys listened to our either showed up for the live stream on Thursday, which you should do, uh, it's about it's at 6.30 Eastern time every single week. Or if you had listened to it in podcast form on Friday morning, you would know that I talked up CeeDee Lamb a little bit. I said that he had a great matchup if the quarterback could just get in the ball. And Gary Gilbert threw seven targets his way, and he did something with it. Four for 71 on a touchdown is great, considering you expected the receivers to have negative 12 yards between them. And we're going to move on to the final game. This was the funnest game of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, the barometer game that we talked about extensively on Sunday morning. And the Dolphins have passed the barometer test. Uh, they are legit. They will win some games. Tua looked very good. I know that there were some concerns out there because he made some bad plays, but overall, I think I just equated to him being a rookie. Uh, I saw somebody say that the lights were too big for him. The game was too big for him. 100% disagree. I think some of the plays he made were outstanding. I talked about it earlier with Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield. Tua Tunga Vailoa is a gamer. He's going to win you games. He's a leader. Uh, and that's important, not necessarily for fantasy, but for the terms of team production. 20 of 28, two scores. He added some. He added some value on the ground. Seven for 35. I think that those. I think those ground numbers are going to increase. 
I do because I think that they're going to get more comfortable in the pocket. Or he's going to get more comfortable in the pocket. I think they're going to get more comfortable with Tua, period, and I think he's going to get some some designed carries. Uh, Sel- is it Salvan or Saivan? Salvan Ahmed. Yes. Very rarely is there a player that we come across where I don't know how to say their name. I don't know who they are. I have heard of this player. I know that he was in the class. I think from Washington, right? I don't know, dude. I'm All not. Right. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, he had seven carries for 38 yards, and I actually had a couple plays where I was like, "Dang, that was pretty nice." And so, if there is an extended absence for Brita and for Gaskin, I think Ahmed is the player I want. Um, I, I think that they brought him in a little bit slowly this week uh, because they said they, they had elevated him from the practice squad, but he actually looked pretty decent on the couple carries that I saw, and he's explosive with them. Speaking of Tua's run, that 17-yard run that he had as a long, did you see that play? Uh, I saw a lot of the Tua plays, but which one is this specifically? Is this the one where this he escaped, one was like, the three... one where he escaped like five tackles in the backfield yeah, and ended okay. up getting squeaking out through the middle for the, for the big That's run. That's what I'm saying. Like, and that that play probably won the Dolphins this game. So uh, I, I I stand by Tua. He's the real deal. Uh, he's only going to continue to get better. Uh, so Devontae Parker, 6 for 64. Preston Williams, who got hurt in this game, 4 for 60 in a score. Uh, Mike Kosicki, 3 for 42. That's okay. He'll take that. Um, nothing else of note here. I mean, it's pretty yeah, standard, no, pretty standard Dolphin stuff. Side. But they won the game. The Dolphins are going to be one of those gritty teams that are – I think that they, they could sneak into the playoffs in their 6 or 7 spot. And uh, they're going to be one of those teams that just ruins somebody's day. Because they're going to come. If you're not playing your A game, the Dolphins could take advantage of it. They've been solid through eight games. They're five and three. Um, they've had a couple bad losses earlier in the year. Uh, they were a little a little inconsistent. But Brian Flores is doing a hell of a job down in Miami, and they're going to win. They're going to win some football games, and they're going to have the opportunity for Tua Tagovailoa to get this offense rolling. But let's Yo, talk about five and three right now. They're they're in the playoff hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. I think they continue. I think they stay there. I know that they have a tougher schedule coming up, but I think that they could fin- finish with eight or nine wins, and they could slide into that seventh spot. Um, but let's move on to the Cardinal side of the ball here. Kyler Murray is absolutely amazing. Um, every time I watch him, I'm amazed that the explosiveness that he that he puts on display when he decides that he wants to run is just it's uncanny. There's no other player, including Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is kind of a um, he's a different style runner. Kyler Murray just he turns it on and he's gone. Like when he decides what he wants to do, he's gonna get there, and he's much safer about it too. Uh, he doesn't take quite as many hits, and so I really appreciate that about my quarterback, especially if he can throw as well as Kyler Murray can on the run, which Kyler Murray has been excelling at this year. Uh, Christian Kirk has been the biggest benefactor the last couple of weeks. Five receptions, 123 yards, and a score. That's the second that straight week for the touchdown was. Yes. Amazing. That yes. that was the that might be the m- most accurate fifty yard pass I've ever seen. It was pretty good. I don't know. If it, I can't go that far yet because I, I I just can't go that far yet. But it was very very good. It was very very good. Uh, very impressive. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a bad day, but I don't care. He'll be back. Uh, Chase Edmonds had a stranglehold on this this backfield, which you didn't really think otherwise. But 26, 28 touches. Excuse me for eighty eight yards. So uh, twenty five carries, three receptions. And um, I don't think Kenyon Drake's coming back next week. So you're playing Chase Edmonds against Buffalo and another great matchup, the Cardinals and Buffalo Bills next weekend. So uh, anything else you want to talk about with, you know, as of note with the receiving core for uh, Arizona? I think the only last, the last thing I want to say is that this Miami defense is actually really good and that we need to get yeah, they are. And that's, and the thing about, yeah, nuke being held so far in check, people are like, Oh, that's weird. It's, not really considering two of the top like six paid corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are on the same seat on the same team. 
they can say, hey, uh, I don't really want to cover Duke on this play. You do it. All right, cool. I got it. And they're not going to see a drop off. It's not like you're going from a, like an elite corner. It's not like Darius Slade to Devontae Maddox here, or Avante Maddox here. It's they're pretty. They're both pretty, pretty good corners. So don't take too much stock. You're still playing Nuke every week. Don't panic. Just relax. Let's go through the final game of uh, the or of the night, though. It it will be in and out of here pretty quick. Drew Brees and the Saints took down the Buccaneers at home, 38 to three. It wasn't, and I don't even think the 38 to three says how far away this game was. Jameis Winston got into the game. That's just how big of a blowout it was. Drew Brees had 222 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, only got sacked once on the night, and it was for zero yards. I don't think they even got too many hit. They, they only hit him three times. This game just was ridiculous for the offense. Michael Thomas, five for 51 on six targets. He'll have better weeks moving forward. Adam Troutman got three for 39 to score. Showed some life there, which is great. Manuel Sanders, four for 38 and a touchdown. Traquan Smith had one for 14 and a touchdown. Moving with the running backs, though, five for nine for Kamara. And on, this is five catches for nine yards. Didn't this do anything. Is so there. funny. <laughs> but he had nine carries for forty yards and a touchdown. His his receiving work was bad. And then the leading rusher of the night, as you guys all expected, it was Latasum Hill. Seven carries for fifty-four yards, and then he had a catch for twenty-one yards. The Saints are stupid. It doesn't make any sense. What? Why is Taysom Hill your leading rusher? I don't know. But his offense was overall not that good either. The Bucks defense is still really good. The score obviously does not reflect that. But the, the defense for the the Bucks is still pretty good. Uh, Mike Evans led this receiving core with four receptions for 64 yards for the Bucks. Leonard Fournette had six for 41. Uh, Ronald Jones had three for nine. Chris Godwin, three for 41. Antonio Brown, three for 31. But the, the, it was, the distribution was pretty even across the board. Rob Gronkowski had one catch for two yards on six targets. That's abysmal, but I mean the, the the distribution and the targets is pretty even across the board for this team. I don't know if we're gonna have I don't know if we're ever gonna get a clear picture of who's the guy to own in this receiving core in this backfield. Um, but Tom Brady looks bad, and you know I think I, I said this. it's Fournette. Fournette's the guy. Sure, he got one carry. Cool. No, 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 the snaps weren't even close. He Fournette doubled Jones up in snaps. Okay, the game was a blowout. I don't. I'm just telling you. I I'm telling you, Fournette's the guy, long term. Anyway, Tom Brady looked terrible. And I, think I, I think I said on the live stream that I was actually worried about the Saints front against the Bucks offensive line. They did not look good. Uh, the Tom Brady suffered. I mean, there's t- uh, memes galore coming out of this game of just Tom Brady and his body, um, his body actions and body motion. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I, I don't know. He got hit nine times and he got sacked three times. It wasn't good. But whatever, whatever you're trying to say. Yeah, it was bad. His body attitude was bad. I can't think of the actual word I'm trying to say. But language, that's not body, language. body language. Thank you. It's been a gotcha. long day. It's Monday. Um, I don't. I don't think there's a lot to take from this game. It's very similar to Packers Buccaneers from a couple weeks ago. There's just not a lot to take from it. Uh, all around, it was good to see Michael Thomas finally get back on the field, but um, not a lot to glean here. Did you see Marshawn Lattimore continues to live rent free in uh, Mike Evans' head? <laughs> So Mike Evans had had four catches for 64 yards on six targets. His two, he has, and so his two that he did not get a completion was when he was covered by Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore proceeded to pull up these stats of himself guarding Michael Thomas over the last three games. Mike Evans has zero catches on six total targets in those three games. He's like, hey, better luck next year. And the Saints just have a, 
secondary full of just ultra team members. That's <laughs> true. I kept watching Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I'm like, man, this guy's just a jerk. But that's okay. Sometimes you need those types of players in your team. Uh, trash talking is part of the game. Uh, what's? I think I'm ready to get out of here. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm, right. I'm good to go. I got nothing else to add uh, on this uh, wonderful, wacky NFL weekend. <laughs> uh, be sure to check us out on Thursday. As Gage mentioned, 6.30 Eastern. Uh, we will be there and ready to take questions as we preview Week 10. I can't believe we're talking about Week 10 already. And we start preparing for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, maybe uh, come come in with... You know, questions about who you should be getting for the stretch run. Uh, so defenses, too. Uh, come in with your defense questions because defenses are always a key part of that playoff run. Uh, there's always there's always a couple teams that have really favorable schedules for the, for the playoff schedule. But, um, yeah, come with questions on Thursday. And then, as always, we'll have our live, uh, live stream on Sunday mornings for the sit start. But um, hopefully we see you both days. And hopefully we get tons of questions. And hopefully we just have a really fun time and we get to talk about uh, a lot of fantasy. But until then, uh, make sure you're checking out the Game on Wisconsin Twitter page. Check out the Jamal Williams swag bag giveaway. I finally got that down without stuttering through it. Uh, I've said it 10,000 times now. But make sure you're checking out all the content that Game on Wisconsin's putting out. We release our rankings on Wednesday morning. Uh, and so you can make sure to check those out and reference those when you talk to us. Uh, there's usually some, uh, some parody there. So there's definitely some conversational pieces to be had. Uh, make sure you're checking those out. But... Uh, we'll we'll let you go for now. Make sure you're liking, rating, and subscribing. Let us know. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we can do better. That way, we can give you better content. But we'll let you go for now. And uh, until next time, go pack, go.